honour and privilege of speaking about Jesus today. And there's nothing more I love than speaking about Jesus. I don't know you all, for some of you this may be the first time you've been in a church or a church like this. For some of you, you may have been in a church before or, I don't know, maybe you've done an Alpha course, which is a course which looks at Christianity and what Jesus has done for us. If you keep an eye on our website, we start one in October. Or for some of you, maybe here today, you've made a commitment to Jesus in the past. You you may have been a believer, but you know what we call was backslidden and you're not in that place anymore. I want to encourage you today, if you've fallen into any of them situations, stay tuned. Because you see Steph say earlier that we was dancing and worshipping Jesus because he's done something for us that no one else could do. He's changed us. He's took out our heart of stone and put in our heart of flesh. We love him. We found the treasure. Stay tuned. You might be thinking today, but well, I don't need to change. Life's all right. I'm not too bad. I'm, I'm going along okay. I don't need to change. Why do I need to change? I used to think that. I wouldn't have no one tell me nothing. Well, I need to change. I don't need to change for anyone. I know what's best for me. No one knows what's best for me except for me. But I was wrong. I didn't know what was best for me. And you, I, you might, I got to a point in my life at one point I was asking questions like this. Is there more to life than this? Is there more to life than this? What on earth am I here for? Just to go to work, come home, have dinner and watch the telly, go out at the weekend. Is that it? Is there more to life than this? There was a man in the Bible called Saul. And this man, he went around persecuting the church, big time. Torturing and killing believers. That's what he did. That's what he did. And then on the road to Damascus, where he was going to round up a few more believers, he had a massive encounter with Jesus, which was to change his life. He went from being uh, persecuting the church big time, to having an encounter with Jesus in a moment, which was to change his life. He went on to being only Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. Stay tuned today. You may have an encounter with God that's going to change your life. I want to tell you a story about a parrot. <laughs> no. This fellow, he went to uh, a pet shop and he bought this parrot. And this parrot was an all singing, all dancing parrot. The parrot was meant to do everything. So he gets the parrot home, he's all excited, he puts it in his living room and he's talking away to the parrot. Hey, who's a pretty boy then? Nothing. The parrot's just sitting there like, is that a parrot? <laughs> anyway, the parrot's in the cage, we'll do nothing. Parrot's sitting there doing nothing. So he goes back to the pet shop the next day, he says to the fellow, how are you getting on with the parrot? He said, how am I getting on? He said, he ain't doing nothing, he's just sitting there. He said, you know what you need? You need this. So he gives him a mirror. He said, the parrot, look in the mirror, see itself, it come out itself, he'll be off. He went, all right. Goes home, mirror in a cage, nothing. He's trying to push the parrot in the mirror, nothing. They don't want to know. Goes back to the pet shop the next day, he said, how did you get on? He went, how did I get on? Nothing. He said, this is what you need. These steps. He said, what happened? The parrot jump off the perch, you see the steps, you'll be up the steps, in the mirror, you'll be off. Takes the steps home, puts him in the cage, nothing. Parrot's not doing nothing. Back to the pet shop the next day, the geese getting a little bit irate now. Goes in there, he said, how are you getting on? He said, how am I getting on? He said, the, 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 the steps are in and the mirror's in there, nothing. He said, this is what you need, mate. Swing. Put the swing in there, parrot will be on a swing, he'll be swinging away, on the steps, up the steps, in the mirror, you won't stop him talking. That's fine. Takes home the steps, uh, swing, puts them in, nothing. Back to the pet shop the next day, the fella said, how'd you get on? He went, how did I get on? Parrot's dead. He went, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. He said, did he say anything before he died? He said, yes, he did. He said, that pet shop you keep going to, does it sell food? <laughs> now, what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I'll give you time to laugh at that one. 
we can be a bit like the geezer trying to put things in our life which ain't the main thing. He tried to fill the parrot's cage up with something which wasn't the main thing. And all the parrot wanted was the main thing. And he never got it. And, you know, we can go through life tragically filling ourselves up with what we think the main thing is. But it isn't. You see people with sex, drugs, alcohol, trying to fill their life with things like that because they're looking for the main thing. And these are only give us a, a temporary satisfaction. And they'll leave you feeling hollow afterwards because they don't promise what they deliver. They don't, sorry, don't deliver what they promise. Others, maybe not so dramatic, trying to find the main thing in their life, they try hard work, music, sport. And these things may be not wrong in themselves. Oh, I love a game of football and I like football, but they're not the main thing in life. They will still leave you with a hunger inside. They'll still leave you searching. So we can all try and fill our lives up with different things. But unless we're, if we're, if we're missing the main thing, because Jesus is the main thing we need to build our lives with, it's him we need to be orbiting about. It's him we need to keep our eyes on. You know, for me, my story goes a bit like this. I, was, I had a bit of Christian background when I was growing up. My mum and dad were Christians. I went to church, but I never met with God. I didn't know God. I hadn't met with him. So as soon as I was old enough, I was off. I was off. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to, I had this big dream that I was going to be, talking about football, the next David Beckham. I, I, you know, I, just, I thought, it's me. I know it's me. I've got it. I can play football. I'm really good. And that's what's going to happen. And I thought I was going to play for a big team like Crystal Palace. <laughs> I, I, had such, I, I had such big dreams for myself. And then a broken leg. That never happened. <laughs> and that never happened. And then I, I went to school and I come out of school and I thought I slipped into what I probably thought was normal life. I was drinking heavily, I was taking bits and pieces along with a drink which I shouldn't have been. I lived in pubs and clubs. That's what I did. Thursday through to Monday morning, I'd, I was at. But I thought that was normal. But now I look back, all I was trying to do was fill, 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 because there was something missing. And it, first it was the football, then all of a sudden it wasn't that no more, so I had to fill with something else. And it was, for me, it was, that, that was my life. And then, then I was done for some six years, and her mum and dad were Christians, and they used to drive me absolutely bonkers. Do you know that? They used to drive me bonkers. You know, for me, if you wanted to come around my house for a cup of tea, you had to book three years in advance. Don't turn up unless you've been invited. That's how it was. My door wasn't open. <laughs> you had to book up. And Donna's mum and dad they used to be one of their prayer meetings or one of their small groups. So they'd be all filled with the Holy Spirit, they'd tell me, and come round and they'd be outside the door and I'd be in my dressing gowns, watching a bit of telly and that, just chilling out and... It'd be, oh, hello. I went, oh, how are you doing? You were outside. <laughs> Trying to go down. In there, I'd come. I'd go to the toilet for half hour, sulking. You still in there, Dean? Yes. Then I'd go down to the shop for some toothpaste at 10 o'clock at night. I just thought, I said, what are you doing? And then I'd come back and there'd be all things in my pants drawer. Jesus loves you. What are you doing in there anyway? <laughs> all stuffed down, all down the city. I'd find little cars everywhere. I didn't know. Now I look back, I can see that God was talking to me through, them, through Donna's mum and dad. And uh, four years ago, Donna's mum, she, uh, she got cancer, and she had a, a very aggressive cancer, and it was, she had it right through her body. And it was at this point, I'll tell you the truth, at that point I still wasn't looking to become a Christian. If you'd have asked me, at that point, uh, you're going to get saved, I'd have laughed at you. You're going to become a Christian? I said, what? I, I wasn't even at that point, even though Donna's mum was ill, but there was, she was in the hospital, and there was other cancer patients in there, and they was all ill. There was something very different about Donna's mum. There was something radiating out of her. Even though her face, she was something about her. I thought, wow, what is that? 
What is that? And she was praying for other sick people in the beds opposite her. She was telling people about Jesus. She was amazing. And I said to her one time, what is that? What, how are you like that? She said, Dean, I know my maker. I know God. I'm in a relationship with God. My flesh might be hurting you, but my spirit's fine. And that stirred me. I thought, There's something in this. And I went to church. I went back to the old church. I used to go as a child with my mum and dad. And I felt something happening to me in that, in that first Sunday. Something was happening to me. I, I couldn't even quite tell you what it was, but something was stirring inside me. Then I, I went home and but someone at the end of the service gave me a Bible. I remember going home and reading bits and pieces of it and thinking, Jesus died for me. For the things I've done wrong, I'd be, I don't even know him. I've never met him. I don't, what's, what's, the, what's the deal? And uh, the following Sunday, uh, to the amazement of my wife, I said, I'm going back to that church, Don. She said, yeah. I said, yeah. And I picked up my boy. I said, because George loves it. I said, you should have seen him when I picked him up. And Chris, he was running about. It'd be unfair of us not to let him go again. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I said, I won't feel like I was doing my, my fingers a parent. But uh, funny, I went, I went back that week and Steph was preaching. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Steph was preaching. I heard the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for all the things I'd thought and said and done wrong. And I couldn't wait to run up and give my life to him. And I haven't been the same since. That was four years ago. Praise God. I used to tell my mates that I'm in a relationship with God. They were in a relationship with God. What, what does that mean? I said, well, this is about a relationship. Ultimately, it's, this is about relationships. And why wouldn't the God who created us the way we are to be in relationship with family members, with friends, wherever it is, we're in a relationship with someone. So why would the God who created us want us to be wouldn't want to be in relationship with us. Why would he want to be far and distant away? Why would he not want to be involved? This ain't about religion. Can you imagine me and religion? This is about religion, I won't be here. Because religion's boring. I tell you what, a, a relationship with God is exciting, it's amazing, it's life-changing. But unless you find that relationship, you're going to be missing that. There will always be that something missing in your life. Before as a Christian, <laughs> I didn't think as God as personal. He was more of someone, uh, discipline. I, th- I was scared probably to go to church, so I thought God was scary, and I thought he was going to stop me having fun. I thought he was going to stop me doing the things I want to do. And, uh, but then I look, it's like my children. I've got two children, and if George was playing with a knife, I'll take it away from him, not because I don't want him to have fun, because I don't want him to get hurt. And it's the same with God. He, the only, he only tells us not to do things because he doesn't want us to get hurt. God's great fun. He's great fun. I didn't realise God was available 24-7. I didn't realise he had plans for my life. I didn't realise he had plans. I didn't realise I was missing out on everything. And he's got plans for your life too. If you're not in a relationship with God today, you're missing out because there's plans there. He's got, he's got a life set out for you. And it can be a roller coaster of a ride. I'll challenge anyone who tells me Christianity is boring. I'll challenge anyone who says following Jesus is boring. I remember Donna come home from me one, uh, in a week and said, Oh, Stephen Davina are moving to North London. I said, oh, yeah, she said, they're yeah, planting a new church. I went, oh, good luck to them. She said, do uh, you think there's anything in it for us? <laughs> Leave off. I said, I've just finished decorating the flat. <laughs> I said, I've, I've just been to DFS and bought these sofas. They fit just nice. I said, oh, I'm, I'm all right. Don't look, the telly's over there and everything. And a year later, we moved over. <laughs> predictable and boring. I don't think that's... <laughs> definitely not. That's not Jesus. He's not predictable and boring. The message I bring to you today is called the gospel. What does gospel mean? It means good news. Undeserved good news. It's, it's grace, it's favour. It's not what we deserve, but it's what we get. 
It's life-saving, it's life-changing. And I, was gonna, I don't want to surprise you later on, I'm not springing anything on you, but later on, in about four hours' time, not really, <laughs> 25 minutes, I'm going to get you a chance to respond to this message. So I just want you to be prepared, I'm not going to throw anything on you. But to appreciate what Jesus has done for us, you know, for him to capture our heart, we need to straighten a few things out. You, it's like watching the end of a film and just seeing the end and missing the, the, the bulk of the film. We need to, we need to catch this story. And there's a few things we need to accept so we can respond in the right way because this thing is absolutely massive. When I come into it, I didn't realise how big God's plan was and, and I'd be missing out on it. I'd be missing out on the bigger picture. It's massive. Firstly, you know, God's a governor. He's in charge. You know, he made the world and shaped it just how he wished with all its, all its beautiful things and all its details. He made it, he owns it. Then he created people. He created us. And do you know what he did with us? He says, you supervise and look after the world. You do that, enjoying it, caring for it, but all under my authority and all under my obedience. Sounds good, doesn't it? Let's sound good. There's a God in heaven there, up there. There's the world and us looking after it. Everything's good. Well, obviously everything isn't good. Obviously everything isn't good. So what's gone wrong? And the fact of the matter is, from the very beginning, mankind has rejected God. You can read it in the Old Testament, in the Bible. They've turned their back on God. They're doing things they want to do. Living their lives the way we want to live them. Like I said earlier, we all think we know what's best for us, don't we? But the result of us rebelling against God is we ignore him, we turn our backs to him. We turn our backs to him, no, we're not going to do it our way, we're doing it our own way. The trouble is, in rejecting God, we make a mess of our own lives, society, and the world around us. I mean, you've only got to turn on the television at the moment, or pick up the newspaper to see that there's a major problem in this world. Major problems. And it seems like they're only getting worse and things are put in place to, to help these situations but they're not the answer. They're not the answer. We've turned our back on God. We're all running around doing our own thing, competing against one of each other. It's all about us. It's all about us. We're all following our own desires. And this I do what I want attitude just leads to one thing that the Bible calls sin. Listen, <laughs> God is holy. Heaven is a holy place. Holy meaning perfect. Sin ain't going to be allowed in. It's not going to get in because it would mess everything up. It would mess everything up. So what does the Bible tell us about sin? Well, it tells us, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. See that? For all. Not just a few of us, not just the, the blokes over there, no. Not just the skinheads. For all have sinned. For all fall short of the glory of God. You know... At this point, you know, I've spoken to a few people on the streets and some of my mates and they said, yeah, but, Dean, I'm not as bad as the murderer, you know? I'm not as bad as the armed robber, I'm not as bad as the bloke who's stabbing someone on the street. I said, yeah, you know, you compare yourself to them, you're probably not that bad. <laughs> you look all right compared to the murderer and the armed robber. But I said, let's not compare ourselves to them people, yes? Let's compare ourselves to God. Because when we're standing before God, you're going to look left and right, there ain't going to be no one else there. It's going to be you and God. You can't compare yourself to anyone else because you might look outwardly very self-controlled. Yes, I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm okay. What's another default mode of our, when, we're, when things are on top or when we say, I used to try, justify my actions. I used to always justify the things I'd done wrong. If I'd have been out at the pub all day, I'd come home and Donna says to me, so where you been? You, you're late, you've been out all day. Yeah, but you, you don't understand, Don. The fellow in the pub said that, that someone was coming and we was going to have a... And, and, and that's the way it went, love. I'm really sorry. But we was all, I was always trying to justify my actions. Yeah, buts. 
said, yeah, but, said, yeah, but you don't understand. Yeah, but I'm not as bad as him. Yeah, I ain't going to wash with God. You know, God gives him laws in the Old Testament, which are, are the law in the world, most, in most countries in the world. And Jesus was questioned about these God's laws. He said, what, what are the greatest laws? What are the greatest commandments? You know, firstly, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. Have you done that? Join the club, I hadn't. I had plenty of other gods in my life before the God of the Bible. And you might think, what, was you into Buddhism? No, I wasn't into any, any other belief. But I had the God of money. I had the God of lust in my life before I had that God. Jesus said, love, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. It's not just your next door neighbour. It's your fellow mankind. Love them as you love yourself. Have you done that? Have you treated people as, they, as, you, as, as you would want to be treated? Do not steal. Have you ever took something that ain't yours? <laughs> Have you ever done that? Do not give false evidence. Have you ever lied? Have you ever said something that's not the truth? If you have, you've broken some of God's laws. We need to be honest. We need to come to a point where we're honest that we've all done things wrong. Some things that we might even be deeply ashamed of, but we've all done things wrong. God sees our actions. He hears our words. Even when we whisper, you know, when someone's just done us a wrong and we're walking away, yeah, the wally, no, 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 no. He hears that. He hears them whispers. He sees our faults. When I, when I heard that God see my faults, I was deeply shocked. I thought, oh no, I'm in trouble. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get out of that one. Even then, I was still thinking, how can I get out of that? What can I do? But I, was, I told my fault, like seeing the screen there, as you're thinking things, they're flashing up. And God can see them. Now, being at the point now, I think that nothing's hidden from God, yeah? Nothing's hidden. We could all probably put our hands up and say, yep, I've, I've wronged, I've sinned, I've done something wrong. Who likes being told doing the wrong and all? But what's the consequences of our sin? For one, it's being cut off from God. We're not in relationship with him, so we're not, we're not in the plans he's got for us, we're cut off. But the Bible says, whoever sins is a slave to sin. When you think about a slave, you think of someone being trapped, can't break out of their own occult. That's what, that's what the sin has power in our lives. He, he used to trap me and hold me, I was a good liar. <laughs> I, used to, I, I used to lie, and because I, I think the, the lie had such a power in my life, that sin, I'd lie for the sake of it. I tell people I had a Doberman dog and I had a little cocker spaniel. Why? Because the sin had a power in my life. I laughed, but I was always at it. And I always had good intentions. I used to think sometimes I've been out all weekend drinking. I think, no, I feel rough. I've got no money. I'm not doing that again. Don't we're not do- I'm not doing that again. Next week I won't do it. Give me two weeks. I was down the pub. I couldn't do it. I had good intentions, but I, I couldn't see them through. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. I mean, that, that, you might think, oh, what does that mean? It means like, you know when you see something in, in the newspaper or on the television, and, and it, something inside you, it cries out to be punished. You think sin cries out to be punished. Evil cries out to be punished. The trouble is, we've all wronged. And we're all going to get paid. <laughs> we're all going to get paid. And some people might, you might say, we're not the same wage, but we're all going to get paid. I'm not trying to scare you here. I'm just trying to, tell you the facts that one day we're going to be standing before God to give an account of ourselves. And there ain't no sins that God's going to go, that's all right, don't worry about that one. I'll brush that under the carpet, won't worry about that. It's not how it's going to be. If, you, if you've not accepted Jesus into your life today, then you are cut off from God. 
sorry the morning is the first bit of the talk's gone a bit like this. And you might be thinking, oh, come here, Sandy, before I go to church. It's all been doom and gloom, isn't it? So what have we got to look forward to? Death and everlasting ruin? Cheers. No, you ain't. Because <laughs> this is where Jesus comes to save us from these situations. This is where this message gets so exciting that I'm glad there's a gap here because I might even jump down and do the caterpillar. <laughs> it's my little party trick for Revelation Church. But that's how excited Jesus gets me. I just want to... Oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> we've all heard about Jesus. We've all heard of Jesus right from school. We've heard of Jesus. We've got the two main holidays a year are about him. Christmas and Easter. I, didn't, you know what, I knew it, but when Christmas and Easter are about, I didn't even think about Jesus. But the two biggest holidays... Are, about Jesus. He's the centrepiece of all things. He's the centrepiece of civilization. The reason the things that happened before him are called BC and what happened after him are called AD. He's the centrepiece. It's all about him. I love him. <laughs> I love everything about him. He was a man. What do we know? He was a man. He would have been tempted like us. He would have felt the pressures of life like us. For the first 30 years of his life, he was unknown. He was unimportant. Then at his baptism, all changed. You know when you read something or you, or you see something at the team, you think, oh, I'd like to have been there. I'd like to have been at Jesus' baptism. Uh, when I read it, I think, I'd love to have been there. Because when he come out of the water after being baptised, he said, the Holy Spirit come on him like the form of a dove. And then you hear God's voice from heaven saying, this is my son who I am well pleased. And at that point, Jesus steps out and it's all changed. He walked this earth 2,000 years ago. His ministry and he lasted three years from the time he was baptised to the time he was crucified and wonderfully risen from the dead. Three years. He taught with such authority. People were amazed at his teaching. No one had seen it before. What an impact he's made, eh? He still talked about, preached about and debated about all over the world. He left 120 frightened followers today about a third of the world follow Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible split up into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's 322 predictions about the coming Saviour. 322. That's massive. 29 of them he fulfilled in, the, in his death and resurrection. He claimed to be the unique Son of God. That makes him more than a man. Makes him more than a man. He claimed to be the unique Son of God. He had the authority to forgive sin. I'm going to read you a quote from C.S. Lewis, the bloke who does a Narnia. It's a brilliant one. This is what he says about the claim to Jesus. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said wouldn't be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. But don't let's come up with any patronising nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He hasn't left it open to us. He didn't intend to. He was more than a man. You know, the famous Bible verse, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 5, that's another book in the New Testament, says, God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, we've discovered we've done things wrong, yes? But because of God's great love for us, he hasn't left us to suffer the consequences. He ain't said, right, that's it. That's you. You've pushed it too far. Now he hasn't done that. He sent his one and only son in the world to die for us. To die on a cross for you and for me. And this ain't for a certain... I mean, I used to think Christians were just a certain people. I used to think even they were foreigners a bit. I can't be a Christian, that's not me. I can't be a Christian. I used to think, 
Well, it's not just for intelligent people. Even though I used to think you had to be brainy to be a Christian. Four D's, two E's and F and a G. I wouldn't have got in. I wouldn't have made it. It's not just for the good looking people. But then again, I probably would have, probably would have sneaked in there with that. <laughs> yeah? I like Jesus. I like us. Jesus did not rebel against God. He never committed no sin. He'd done nothing wrong. He always obeyed God. He didn't deserve to be beaten. He didn't deserve death. He didn't deserve punishment. Yet Jesus did die. And I used to think to myself, why Jesus, who had all his power, you know, I was reading the Bible, and you read about the miracles he was doing. You know, the blind were seeing, the deaf were, the deaf were hearing, the cripples were walking. He was casting out demons. He was raising the dead. And Jesus, who had all his power, why would he allow himself to be beaten and executed on a cross? Why would he do that? He says his entire reason for coming was to die for us. Mark's Gospel tells us to give his life as a ransom for many. That's, that was his mission. Jesus is the only man who's ever chosen to be born and one of the few who's chosen to die. You know, the word for, you died for us means instead of. For means instead of. He did this because he doesn't want us to pay the price for the things we've done wrong. He doesn't want us to pay for the things we've done wrong. He said, like on the cross, he's saying, I'll tell you what, you put all the things you've done wrong and you put them on me. I'll take all that for you. I'll take all the things you've done, all the things you thought, said and done wrong, and I'll put them on me. I'll take it for you. You know, in the, in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, it talks about, us, it talks about everything being written down to what we've done. You know, it's all recorded. So all the, like, the thoughts I told you about, everything's recorded down in the book. You can imagine how messy as is. You can mean, if, if it's a filing cabinet, you, with mine you could have just kept walking and walking and walking and not stopped. Jesus is one who's perfect. No spot, no blemish. The Bible tells us for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin though, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What a trade. I used to do some dodgy deals before I was a Christian, but if I'd have come across this one, I'd think this was a, the top deal. You have my perfect one, my perfect life, I've done nothing wrong. You have that one, and I'll take your messy one. What an amazing, undeserved, gracious gift this is from start to finish. What incredible news that a saviour's come, Jesus, and he died as a substitute for you and for me, and he'd take the full force of God's justice on himself so we can receive forgiveness. It's amazing. And if you're thinking today, yeah, but will God really forgive me for all the things I've done wrong? The answer is, his answer is yes. The Bible tells us, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. I think we found that earlier. We can't, we can't claim to be without sin. We've all done things wrong. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and, for, and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's no catch here. There's no catch. I mean, my granddad used to say, you ain't free in this life, boy. You want to pay everything. No catch. There's no catch. You ain't got to work out, am I going to pay this back? There's no catch. You can't earn this. You can't earn this blessing. You can't earn it. And if you're trying to earn it, all you're saying is what Jesus done on the cross is not enough. And that's not good to say that. None of us are good enough. We can't make ourselves good enough. 
We're always going to slip up. Even now, I, I still do things wrong, but I've got a loving God who I can go to and confess my sin. That's why Jesus came. He's made it possible for us to get right, to get, and, to, and to get right with the mess we've made of our lives. What a merciful God we worship. What mercy. What grace he's lavished upon us. What love. Such love I've never experienced before. Such amazing, unconditional love that he loves me. Even when I still get things wrong, he still has me back. He still loves me. He's amazing. And if we accept this free gift of salvation, God doesn't just leave us on our own. We don't get saved. And then he goes, all right, that's it. Well done. And that's it. He's off. That's not how he is. He's with us for the rest of our days. You know, sometimes I used to think to myself, am I going to be able to keep this up? Am I going to be able to keep this lifestyle up? I couldn't do it in my own strength. But with God, he helps me, guides me, and looks after me. And he comes to live in us by his spirit. He comes and dwells with us. It's amazing. It's not just... My mate used to say, how can you go on everything that was written on a book 2,000 years ago? I said, well, I believe that Bible is God's word I live by, but he comes and lives in me by my spirit. I can feel God. He isn't distant, far away, he's involved. By his spirit, we have, the, we, have, we have the strength to win over temptation. We can beat the sin in our life. And we also get lots of gifts. <laughs> lots of gifts. They're called gifts of the spirit. Listen to this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness, gentleness. Amazing gifts we get, we get from God. And you look around the world today, you think... It's what we need, isn't it? It's what we need. You know what? If that ain't enough. There's a bit more. By accepting Jesus in your life today, you are guaranteeing yourself a place in heaven. This isn't our home. We, we've got to take our eyes off here. There's a goal. There's a place we're looking towards. I'm going to read you a little bit from the Bible, what the Bible tells us about heaven. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with him. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There shall be, be, there shall be no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. You know, you see, we, go, we go through some hard times here, but you can, everything you associate with crying, tears, death, it's not going to be there. It's not going to be there. It's going to be a place of perfection. Nothing, anything that's horrible or nice won't be in there. It's every believer's goal. It's a day we long for. It's a day when Jesus comes back for the second time. And you need to be ready. You need to be ready. Because he's coming back. Now I felt God, impre- I'm going to be finishing soon. But I felt, really felt God impressed this verse on me. It's one of my favourite verses in the Bible. And it says, Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. He really impressed that on me this week. I didn't have it in there, so I don't know if some people have felt like they've not felt loved or not felt a, a, a deep love, but it absolutely blows my mind, that verse. That by accepting Jesus in your life today, nothing, but nothing can cause God to turn his back on you. Nothing can ever separate you from his love. Listen, God's standard is perfection, and we couldn't reach it in a million years. But grace, unmerited favour, is the only hope we have. The Apostle Paul, I spoke about earlier, said, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That means, yes, you are a big singer. 
but it means Jesus is a bigger saviour. At the cross, God balanced your can. He's wiped the slate clean. Do you know what he's saying to you today? If you don't know, this is what he's saying to you today. Come on. Come and be reconciled to me. Come and be reconciled to me. Come on. Come and have a relationship with me. Because I love you and you've got nothing to fear because I will never turn my back on you. I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He loves us. He loves us. So in a minute, you can have a choice to make. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand into response to what Jesus has done for you. But I also want to make something clear that you're not signing up for an easy life. That's not the deal. You know, I was talking to some person yeah, and a while back, we were talking about Christianity, and she said, Gee, will it be like this for me? Will I, will I not have no... I said, you're going to have money problems still, probably. You're still going to have a few life issues. But you know what? You've got a God who loves you and never leave you and, and guides you through. Personally, I don't know what I'd have done without him. He's got me through some really hard times. But I've still had some problems come my way. Jesus tells us to count the cost of what we're doing. This gift of salvation is free. But it means turning away and giving your life and following him. We're not just saying, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry about that. We're repenting. Where we're, we've had our back turned to God, we're going to repent and turn away and say, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm giving my life to you. It's a much better way. Believe me. I've tried lots of different things in my life, but giving my life to Jesus was the best thing I've ever done. I'm changed. <laughs> I'm in a relationship with a living God, and one day I'm going to go to heaven. It's amazing. It's amazing. But to accept Jesus today, it's going to take a step of faith. It's going to take a step of faith. You know, you, you know when the bus is coming along the road, you went at a bus stop, and see the bus coming, and on the front of the bus, it tells you where it's going. And if you look at the timetable, if it's there, or if there's no graffiti on it, the timetable will tell you where the bus is going. But until you step on, you ain't going to get there. You ain't going to get there. So today, you're going to need to take a step of faith. I'm going to pray now. And after I pray, I'm going to ask you, to, if you, if you want to respond to what I've said today, just to lift your hand so I can see. And after the service, I'd love to pray for you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for what you've done. You left heaven to come and be amongst us, to be tempted, and to go to the cross. You was obedient to the point of death for us, for each and every one of us. There's no one here who is out of that. You die for all people. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. We thank you that, 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 that you've set us free. You can set us free from our sin, that the chains are off, Lord God we can be free today. We honour you and give you the glory. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your word and thank you for your spirit. I pray just be talking to people's hearts now, Lord. Just be touching people's hearts, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I just pray you'll be revealing Jesus to people right now. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. If, that's, if you want to respond today now to what Jesus has done, if you want to say today, I want to turn away I want to turn away from the things I've done. I want to start a new life with Jesus. I want to do it his way now. And I, want to have a, I want to know him as my maker and have a place in heaven. That's you today. I just want to just indicate to me. Just lift your hand. Just give you a couple of minutes. Because you know what? The Bible tells us that <laughs> when someone comes to Jesus, that heaven has a party. 
There's rejoicing in heaven. Believe me and you, there'll be rejoicing down here as well. We're all for you. We're all for you. God's for you. Okay, if that's you today, just, just indicate and raise your hand. Okay. Okay, well, if through the worship, you feel like, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I was a bit embarrassed. Too many people here. If you're after the, we're going to go back and worship Jesus again. If through the worship, you feel like, oh, that was me, but... I didn't feel like I could put my hand up. You can come and find me, one of the members of the church, and we'd gladly pray for you. Thank you.